Welcome to another episode of The Walk. Uh, my name is Shivers, and I'm with my good buddy Frito. And uh, we've got a friend, a uh, good friend of mine over the years, John Phillips, all ACC tight end at the University of Virginia. He uh, was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 2009, uh, played here for four seasons, and then went to the uh, Chargers for three. And this past season, Spent eight games with the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos and then eight games uh, in New Orleans uh, with the Saints. So welcome, John. We're glad you're here this morning. Appreciate you having me. For sure, for sure. So on the walk, uh, we like to talk about uh, kind of a blend and a balance between how our faith uh, informs and impacts uh, what we do uh, in every area of our life. And for you as a football player, uh, just talk to us a little bit. I've told... uh, Mark a little bit about just your faithfulness at at chapel and just your influence on the the team that I I saw you around the most here in Dallas with the Cowboys but tell us a little bit about just your walk your your journey with Christ and how it's uh, impacted uh, your going on 9 seasons in the NFL Yeah absolutely um you know as a a young guy uh a young kid in Virginia I grew up in the church uh, I went to church on Sundays. My parents were very adamant about going to church. Um, always knew about the Lord. Always, um, you know, prayed before I went to bed. Kind of your nighttime prayers. You know, a lot of people have those kind of kind of things that they do. So I was around that. I was I was involved in the church um, with the with the kids programs and plays or whatnot for a small church. And then um, essentially, you know, the question was asked. You know, my my cousin came in and, and said, "Have you really said this prayer? Have you really made him the Lord of your life?" And I remember saying that prayer uh, in my living room, and you know, some people say they say the prayer and it's like an immediate change. You know, I kind of said it. You know, it's kind of on the spot, and I remembered it, and I always thought about it. Right. But it wasn't until later on. How old know, were you at that time with your cousin? You know, I was young. I was, um, you know, in elementary school still. Okay. Um, and so still going through high school, I still still prayed. I still believed in God. Um, I still, you know, was still reading, but it was not until I really took a personal interest. Mm-hmm. You know, I started reading books on my own, not just going to church and listening to what had to be said and then leaving church and forgetting it. Right. Um, and the biggest impact, I was training for the Combine, and a good friend of mine, Cedric Pierman, uh, who's a running back now um, for the Bengals. And when you train for the Combine, you're in a hotel room, you're training two or three times a day. There's not much else to do. So we would just get into our room and just start just start praying. Um, breaking wow. in, breaking into Bible studies, kind of start learning. I was like asking him questions. We would like pull up uh, stuff on the internet and listen and break stuff down. We started inviting other guys in. And that's when I really, it really became real for me. Um, when I started reading books, you know, Purpose Driven Life. I read that while I was in the right, hotel. Right. I read, you know, you know, not not just the carpenter. I think's the name of the book mm-hmm. where you know more than a carpenter. More than a carpenter. There you yep. go. I read those books. You know, my wife um, started like suggesting things, so that really started impacting my life. And then that's just carried me on through sports. I mean, I think they go hand in hand. I think it's a centerpiece. I think your faith and your belief in the Lord has to be a centerpiece in your life, and it essentially has to be the foundation um, when you want to go forward in any aspect. Yeah, that's a, a great. I want to just follow up real quickly on that more than a carpenter, Josh McDowell. Uh, that's a book that is basically an apologetic that explains who Jesus is and illustrates um, just the uniqueness of who Jesus was, who he claimed he was, uh, what people said about him. And um, man, I've used that 
uh, <clears throat> scores and scores of times with different people at different seasons of life. So it's just uh, encouraging to hear that it made an impact on you. But you had to be uh, intentional and and deliberate as you took steps as a, I guess, at the combine, you'd be like in your early 20s as a, as a young man, a young adult, uh, owning and really uh, making your faith something that's real and tangible. Absolutely. Now, and I say that to say that I always believed in the Lord. I always prayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to always say, sure. but I always treated uh, the Lord as like a uh, an insurance policy. You know, right, I'm, right. I'm going to live my there. life, and when I when I get in trouble, well, then I, you can bail me out. You know, right. I, I heard that analogy one time. I think probably when I was in Dallas from a mm-hmm. from a preacher, but um, that's kind of how I used to go through things. Um, still prayed every night for for all things, but it's very generic prayers. Right. You know, you kind of get into a routine. You kind of say the same thing over and over again. Um, but once I started reading and kind of studying and, and really learning and kind of getting into your word every day and spending that personal, you know, intimate time with him is when it really started kind of hitting right. home on all, all cylinders. You know, I spent the uh, better part of the last two decades covering teams and being in the locker rooms, but, which by the way, I hate it. I, I don't <laughs> think any media belongs in a locker room at all. And it's not a, it's not a fun place for me to be. I didn't enjoy any of it, but you start observing people. And as you start, you know, I started in my mid twenties, like, you know, early twenties, like a lot of the players, I guess. And as I grew up, I started just really feeling for a lot of the players, you had to overcome a ton of injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm surprised you haven't torn an ACL while you're sitting here right now. <laughs> but how does that faith and how does that that help you overcome those injuries and keep you going? It's, it's huge. Um, you know, I, I say that faith is your foundation and it's what you can always rely on. You know, when you hit rock bottom, you know, or, you know, for a professional athlete, you know, tearing ACLs, I've had three over my career. You know, that's kind of rock bottom. You can't walk. You can't play. Um, hmm. and you know, it's, it's funny how God will use those situations. Cause when you think about it, when you're at your worst is a lot of times when you're the closest to him. Amen. Um, you know, I remember the first time I told my ACL in, in Dallas, I was reading, uh, the one year Bible. It was simple. It's just, you know, you got Psalms, old Testament, new Testament, Psalms, Proverbs every day. Mm-hmm. And you read a little section a day and in one year you read the whole book. Great resource for our listeners out there. The one year Bible, great way to make it through. Yeah, absolutely. And that old testament, sometimes it's it can struggle. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be in the training room. I'm gonna read it. And I'm gonna be honest with you, there were guys that were like kind of make some 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 come comments, make some things like what are you doing? That's like, gonna make my next question. Yeah, like why are you leaving that here? Like what are you doing? Yeah. Um and I just show up every day. I'd kind of just turn it off and then next thing you know, some of these same people that were kind of poking fun were like, What'd you read today? Once well, Nice for you to know. This is what I read in uh, Psalms. It really, really mm-hmm. hit home. Or as the Old Testament it was crazy. Some of the things they believed back then. How great are we that that Jesus came? He sent His Son mm-hmm. to wipe us clean, so we can have a you know a filter to get through heaven. I mean, it was just it was crazy how God used that book in that time when I was at one of my lowest to to kind of build me up and, and actually essentially make me stronger in my faith and uh, and physically. When you bounce back from injury, a lot of times you just things click in and you just enjoy it more. The other thing about being in that locker room, and I'm, I'm just guessing here, okay, <laughs> but people are watching you. You know, you got 53 guys at least in that locker room. They all come from different backgrounds. They have different incomes. A lot of people don't realize this, but they think every football player is filthy rich. And, you know, on, on a lot of levels, yeah, you're making a lot of money compared to other people. But when you're in a locker room where there's people making $1.1 million a year, which is huge, to a lot of people, but there's other people in that locker room that are making $18 million. Yeah. You know, so you, even within the NFL, you've got diverse backgrounds and diverse economic backgrounds. Right. But everyone has a common goal. 
And so I think that brings the locker room together. But how hard is it for you to walk the walk when you're in a locker room with a lot of people that aren't? Yeah, that's it's it's always difficult. I mean, the locker room is is kind of a sacred place, and each locker room is is different. It's um, yeah, you've been in a few different locker yeah, rooms. yeah, a few different locker rooms, and you know what you said is is right on. You have people from all different backgrounds, all different beliefs, uh, races, classes. You know, some people grew up with money, without money. Like you just said, some people were making. You know, three hundred thousand. Some of you were making, you know, twenty mil. You know, that's mm-hmm. was, was. I remember that with with a little corner, just in the corner locker room I had in Dallas. I mean, it was it was a crazy corner in there. And so you you have stories, and the way you live life are completely different. Uh, when you tie that into faith, uh, I remember in Dallas we had John Kitna, mm-hmm. and John Kitna was was really uh, had a real impact on my life with the the way he talked to guys, the way he could the way he could interact in a locker room and still be a man of God, the way he could go you know, over on the card table and be playing cards and cutting it up with all the guys, but he's not cussing. Everybody else around him might be cussing, but he's not, and he's playing cards. One of the guys I worked with, Matt Mosley, called John Kittner the purpose-driven quarterback. There you go. There you go. I mean, it was it was, it was was great to witness him and, and see the way he interacted. And I'll be honest with you, I've kind of molded some of the stuff, you know, I do in the locker room of, it, of the way he could sit there in an environment that is very sin-oriented and – still kind of be a light, you know, still yeah. be a light in that locker room and people ask him questions. And, and when you become that, which I've noticed even in San Diego, people, people will start coming to you like people that you didn't even think knew or believe they'll just, you'll be working out and they're like, Hey, I got a problem. Me and my wife have some issues. Like, I just want to talk to you. People start kind of asking you questions. And the only thing you can do is just turn them back to God and say, there's all your answers right there. And once again, that's because people are watching. You, yeah. you may not know that they're watching, but absolutely. they are definitely watching you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So quick question. Did Kitna give you the Purpose Driven Life book? Um, no, he didn't. No, okay, he didn't. I just I, thought maybe as the Purpose Driven no, quarterback, he may be yeah, the guy. But I, uh, I read the book before I got to Dallas. So it was, Very uh, nice. it was at the Combine. So. so you already had that foundation yeah. there in place. Number two book all time, Behind the Bible. And uh, just total amount of copies sold, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. It's just a a great resource. I've taken men through it at at different stages. But you said just a moment ago in that locker room, uh, just the influence that you saw Kitna have. And um, I think that that same principle applies to all men at all walks of life that in the marketplace that we as men who who know the Lord Jesus who who want to honor God who want to be I've, I've been around Kitna too he says that a man of God if, if if you want to be a man of God you should have an an impact you should affect those around you so what encouragement John would you give uh, to uh, the sales guy out there or uh, a guy who's uh, a coach in a local high school, uh, other other listeners that are saying, I want to have that kind of influence. I want to be a guy who's a man of God, like a, a John Kittner or a John Phillips, and, and affect and impact uh, others. Um, that's crazy, because we're living in Denver right now, and our pastor two weekends ago was preaching on that very thing. Hmm. And uh, essentially what he was saying was, you got to be the best man you can be in whatever environment you're in. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, I want to go on a missions trip or, uh, you know, I want to go do this or I want to do these big, like lavish things. Right, right. When, when the real thing is, is who are the people that you interact with every day mm-hmm. when you go to work and, you know, it's not like you got to force your, you know, you know, how you doing today? Oh, no. well, Jesus is great. Like, let's talk. You, know, you don't have to like force it. You don't have to be pressed, but you just be who you are. Be a light. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, scripture says, you know, you don't light a lamp and cover it with a blanket. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so you just be you. You don't have to be forced. You don't have to press it on people, but just be who you are. Be a man of God or a woman of God, and you go to work, and then just get to know people. Get to know the people you're working with, interacting with, and then ca- and then casually or however you want to put it, however you want to word it, just naturally let them know that you're a man of faith mm-hmm. or a woman of faith. <clears throat> this is what you believe in, and then just start inviting them, invite them to church or or whatnot. And more than likely, in whatever environment you are, it's what I've noticed in the locker room, what I referenced a minute ago is somebody's going to, you know, somebody that you're kind of friends with eventually is going to have an issue. Absolutely. And look who they come to. They're like, well, I know this is what you believe. Tell me about it. Yeah. How satisfying well, is that for you to know that, that they were watching you and they decided to come to you and bring, bring up their problems because yeah, I, they think it, you have the answers? Yeah, I don't think it's satisfying. I think it's just kind of like you're just like, wow, God, God's great on this, this one right here. You know, I had a guy uh, in San Diego that just started asking questions because he had some personal issues. And they started showing up to all our Bible studies, and now he started reading. And every and he was a great guy for the Bible studies because he came in with questions every day. So we would read a passage, and he'd be like, "Now why is that there?" Or he's like always asking why. You know, it's like the kids, the greatest scientists, because they always ask why. You know, why, 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 why. So that was him, and it was really good for our Bible study because you know we're all trying to make you know elegant like remarks and like yeah. witty stuff, and we're you know kind of there. and he's in there. It's like, well how about this? Or what do you think about tithing or, you know, looking at these guys who make a lot of money. So you give your 20%. Like he makes, he like asked the hard questions yeah. and it made our group actually better. That's yeah. great. Well, and whether you call it satisfying or, or fulfilled or just the contentment, I know in my own experience being used of God and knowing that you have a purpose and that God has a plan and he's placed you specifically in that guy's life in order that you might influence Absolutely. and be a, a witness for them. And there's nothing that compares with that, right? Yeah, I mean, you said all, it's not satisfying, but it's, it's yeah, beyond satisfying. satisfying. The word, yeah, it's just, I think it's just amazing yeah. the way God works people. I think we're all vessels. We're all mm-hmm. tools that he uses. Mm-hmm. Some of us he uses on great stages in yeah. front of millions of people, you know, people who can write purpose-driven life, you know, yeah. you know, that way. And sometimes it's the guy, you know, the mechanic, yeah. it's just touching two or three people or everybody that comes in there and just doing his job with yeah, all those mics. Yeah, essentially, essentially if, if you're a ambassador for the Lord and you're getting people saved and getting to heaven, like you're doing what you're supposed to do. Being obedient. Don't yeah. get, don't get enamored with large quantities. Yeah. It's about the quality of life that you're living and the quality of people and the message that you're basically a mirror of God putting into their life. And like, you know, changing one life is a huge deal. Taking Absolutely. a taking a sinner, we're all born in sin. We're all a sinful person. You know, we're saved by by Jesus's grace. Yep. Um, you know, but coming into somebody's life and and taking a sinner and then making them a believer and watch them work, seeing the, that repentance yeah, the, and the that ripple change. down effect of that, yeah. is unbelievable. That one person you save one person your whole life. Yeah. And well, Jesus say, saves them. Yeah. But you well, impact. Yeah, but you, you influence. You got them there, and and Jesus saves yeah. them. But you open that door for them to be saved, Absolutely. and they're saved. The ripple effect could be could be millions in the future. You don't know. No doubt. No doubt. I like that one verse, Acts twenty twenty four, that it's kind of my life verse where Paul with the Ephesian elders, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And so like you said, whether you're a 
professional athlete, a mechanic, uh, a teacher, a sales guy, if you look at your life in light of eternity and you recognize that it's not about me, that I want to be obedient and finish this race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of being a witness and impacting others for the gospel, that's that's what it's all about. Absolutely. You talk about locker rooms being different. A man changes so much between the ages of like 23 and 32, and that is right in the wheelhouse of an NFL locker room. How different are the locker rooms based on those, you know, the ages of the group? Absolutely. You know, I've been in a, a locker room, you know, this, this past couple of years that's been phenomenal because it's an older locker room. They're older guys, has a, have a great nucleus of guys, faith believers. <laughs> that walk with the Lord, you know, really solid Christians. And to make it even better, they're really good football players. You know, they're, they're the best players on our team mm-hmm. and they're faithful yeah. and they're good guys in a locker room. So that locker room was, you know, was, it was a very comfortable locker room for everybody, you know, very accepting, you know, on the flip side, I've been in a locker room with a, with a young team and it's, you know, it's kind of the opposite. It's, it's a very, very sin encouraged locker room with the loud music and the stories and the girls and the and the nightlife and and they're very different if you're a young guy and you're in an older locker room maybe you feel a little different well for me now i'm getting to be an older guy and when i get into a young locker room I'm like it's it's not what's all about guys i mean it's yeah. i'm past that point you know i'm 30 now you know this is yeah. let's let's, let's rein it back in and let's think of what's important we're blessed to play this game we're all fortunate to do it you know, let's let's take care of the people that mean most, our family, you know, your future wives, you know. You know, let's not disrespect these women this way. And it's just it's Amen. just interesting the way locker rooms and the characteristics of them and a lot of it just deals with the nucleus of the team, you know, who's the really good players, mm-hmm. what are their personalities, you know, who are people following. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can be you know, not everybody can be a leader, because to be a leader you have to have people that actually follow you and want to listen to you and want to be around you. So um, that helps, and in a football locker room, it's all performance based. So when you're a good player, you know what you say carries a lot of weight. So you know that's one of the things about the Cowboy locker room this year with Dak Prescott. And I don't know Dak that well. I spent a little bit of time at, at training camp, but Dak, for a young guy, seems to have really his head screwed on straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm like everybody else, an observer looking <laughs> in, but but it seems the same way for me. But you know you get you don't know a man until you know his heart, and, yes. and you get into the personal issues. And, you know, you just got to hope that, that he has a, a heart for the Lord. Now, I love what you said just a moment ago, too, as an older guy now approaching 30 and being able to speak into the younger guys' lives, that you've been through pretty much a whole cycle through the different NFL locker rooms where God has placed you. And now you're able to, as you said a moment ago, positively impact them and give them a better perspective on the blessing of being able to play and, and being able to... Um, live and love and serve others rather than being all about them. Absolutely. One other very interesting aspect of your life that some of our listeners, I would presume to say probably many of them don't know about, is your wife, Nikki Phillips, uh, a very, very gifted athlete in her own right. I know we've talked about your NFL background with uh, various teams and your prowess on the football field, but you have a wife who... uh, Played at the University of Virginia, was an All-American collegiately, uh, played for uh, the U.S. national team, and uh, professionally here and overseas. Uh, Tell us a little bit about just one or two of the amazing things that you admire about your wife, and then you got two children, a boy, uh, J.D., James Dominic, and a girl, Logan, and man, those two little ones got a bright future athletically, I would say, right now, if I was a betting man. I mean, we hope so, but, um, 
number one thing about my wife is is that she's a woman of God, and that's not just because I'm on your on your show. That's the number no, that's one. That's right. That's the one number one trait I have. Um, I can I've told to I've that. told people before. Uh, one of the most beautiful, sexy things that I ever see is when I in the off season I have a chance to actually wake up with my family and I go downstairs and she's sitting there drinking coffee doing a Bible study. Mm. That's attractive to me. I mean, I know mm-hmm. it sounds kind of weird to some people, but to no, see awesome. to, to see a woman who loves the Lord and can basically run our family in the fall because we're not really yeah. there. Football players, you know, I usually leave the house by by 5:30. I'm out of there and usually won't get home until 6:30 or so. So she's really running the house. She's a, you know, that's a that's a big task to handle two kids and get everybody going mm-hmm. and take care of them. So she does a phenomenal job. I probably don't give her much credit as I should, <laughs> but she's awesome. And her athletic she's ability. She's getting it today. Yeah, her athletic ability was was great. I mean, she was a multi, several year in a row, All-American at Virginia. And, you know, end up winning the championship her her last year. she The league they had in the United States, they actually won the championship the last year. I told her it was because she put Phillips on the back of her jersey finally. Right. And, you finally. know, I had a little had a little play in that. But uh, I always pick on her about that. But she um, she got away from Team Poland. Yeah. Team yeah Phillips. But she still, she still played for Poland. She was still <laughs> playing for Poland with, with Phillips on there. And they were kind of trying to figure that out. But, yeah, yeah. You know, even her stories in the locker room of, mm-hmm. you know, some of the language – some of the women she played with used was very vulgar. Yeah. It's like some people don't realize that. And she would, you know, sometimes they would say certain things, you know, direct statements against the Lord. And she would just trip up in the middle of a game being like, <laughs> God's awesome. God's awesome. Don't say that. Amen. And, you know, she ended up having teammates that, that joke about it in circles now, or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll cuss and say, you know, sorry, Nikki, like as they're playing in the field, which I think is hilarious, but it's just a testament to her love for the Lord and and her heart. I mean, she does all these Bible studies and is always in group messages with the great women, other women in the league, because it's very hard to be an NFL wife with the husbands being gone all the time and the pressures that they have and with the kids. So she does a great job. Right. And just dovetailing out of that, when I uh, first met you and before you guys got married and started your family, she was still playing professionally. Yeah. And so speak to just briefly, if you can, I think it's rare in our society when somebody else sacrificially says, I'm going to stop doing what I want to do for the betterment of my family and for my husband. I think we're in a, in a society, in a culture that's me first, and, and I want to go get mine, and, and I have a dream, and I have a desire, and nobody should stand in my way. But And I'm not putting words in Nikki's mouth or yours, but I just, from as a friend, watched you uh, from afar, and I thought, man, it's a, that's a beautiful picture of sacrifice and her saying, I'm going to step back from my career because I know what's important and what's significant to you, and, and, and being a mom and being a, a wife who, who loves and walks with the Lord was more important to her than her career. Yeah, she was, you know, she loves to play soccer, and, and she'll always coach and, and play on club teams or whatever she can get on, but essentially we knew we wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. And we had our first son, and you know she had to she had to step back from it. And she's always she's always talks about the Lord's calling me to be a mom right now. The best thing I can do is be a faithful mom mm-hmm. um, to my son. And shortly after that, we were we were even talking about maybe her going back and playing mm-hmm. with with our son with our son, you know, very young. And 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 God had other plans. We we weren't trying, <laughs> but we got pregnant again pretty quick. And so now we have two Sweet kids. Logan. So now we have two kids with with James and Logan. You know, right now she's 
she's in that that mode right now where I think a lot of moms or stay at home moms are. Is, mm-hmm. is she's busy all the time. She's still looking for for other stuff to do to drive her outside of the home. But uh, the sacrifices you have to make to be a mom is mm. you know people probably don't say enough about it. No. I mean you know that that thing is, that child is dependent on you for the first six months. Like I can't produce milk. I mean, you know, like they're, they're you're, you're the life source. Mm-hmm. And then after that, to get ready to change the diapers to up. I mean, that's what I mean by that's NFL wives, you know, during the fall, mm-hmm. that baby's crying at, at 2 a.m. in the morning. I don't even roll over. I mean, I'm so exhausted. You know, that's a, <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's, it's crazy to think, um, the job they have. And if you have a good one or a mm-hmm. great one, like I have, it, it makes my job, a whole lot easier, and I know it makes our family a lot better. Amen. Nikki Phillips, she's getting the credit she deserves today. Mark it down, Frito. <laughs> we love you, Nikki.